Welcome to Good God, Conversations That Matter About Faith and Public Life. I'm your host, George Mason, and in our continuing podcast series on immigration, I am delighted to welcome to the program today Jesus Romero, uh, the director of the ISAAC Project, uh, ISAAC being an acronym that stands for the Immigration Service and Aid Center, and of course, ISAAC has a biblical uh, connotation as well, Jesus, right? Right. So, so welcome to the program, Jesus, and we're delighted that uh, we can talk about the you and the work that you're doing. And uh, I'd like to just begin by asking you, first of all, how did you get into immigration work? Uh, well, I, uh, I got directly involved when... Uh, when I was uh, a professor in, uh, in Central Texas, I was teaching uh, Spanish at Howard Payne University, and I was also uh, a pastor, a local pastor of a small Hispanic church. And we were praying, um, you know, I'm talking about 2006, around 2005, 2006, and we were praying about uh, what the Lord wanted us to do as a church. And, uh, you know, we felt very, very called to, uh, to get involved in, in social justice and, and uh, those kinds of ministries, but we didn't know exactly, exactly what. Um, and then it was one of those situations where it was sort of a perfect storm because at the same time that we were praying as a church, I was also doing some readings and, and studying the Bible uh, along the along the the lines of uh, of welcoming the stranger, all this happening at the same time that uh, my next door neighbor is getting in trouble because she's about to be deported uh, because some scammer uh, was in charge of doing her paperwork uh, uh, and uh, you know all her immigration process. I was. I was just marginally aware of, of those situations. And then also at the same time, I get to meet somebody who was very crucial uh, in, in, our, in my life and, and in our ministry, uh, Pastor uh, Alex Camacho in, uh, in North Texas, who was, um, uh, again, unknown to me. He was already doing immigration ministry uh, out of his church in, in McKinney, Texas, since about 1988, I think. Uh, so he was already doing it. I was not aware that churches, nonprofit organizations that did not have lawyers on staff could actually do uh, immigration, provide immigration legal services. Mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, I became aware of that process through the, uh, through the Department of Justice back then through the Board of Immigration Appeals. And Again, a, a perfect storm where we, we just felt that the Lord was very gently, but, but very firmly leading us into serving our community uh, that way. So we, we've, we uh, learned about the process of becoming uh, recognized and accredited uh, by the uh, Board of Immigration Appeals, went through the process and opened our, our doors of, uh, for the first time in Central Texas of what was called Baptist Immigration Services of Brownwood, uh, and we were there for about three less than less than three years before uh, we moved to San Antonio. So that's how it started. 
Well, let's let's just stop there for a moment and let me just reflect with you about uh, as as people are listening to this, I think you use the language of perfect storm and um, you know that what that really suggests is that there are a lot of things coming together at once that if only one of those things had happened, maybe not it, nothing you know would have come to pass but but be, becoming spiritually sensitive to what is going on around you and within you is, is, is part of this discernment process, isn't it, of how maybe God is at work in the world and how uh, we should uh, be alert to that and be willing and sensitive to make a move, which is a very uh, sort of biblical way of thinking, isn't it? Yes, yes, sir. And, and I forgot one component of the perfect storm, the fact that both my wife and I are first-generation immigrants. Mm-hmm. So without being aware of the issues everybody was was struggling with, uh, there was already a measure of, of compassion ah. for for those for those who were also uh, strangers, just like we like we were. Wonderful. Okay, so the next thing that I, I want to h- highlight from what you said is that you actually became a uh, an authorized organization through your church. I don't think a lot of people uh, know that that is possible, but that's one of the dimensions of Isaac's work, isn't it, is to help uh, congregations uh, and organizations uh, to formalize this work. Can you say a little more about that? Uh, yes. So uh, the, the area of immigration law is the only area of law where the United States allows people who are not attorneys who went to law school and passed the bar Mm -hmm. to actually practice law. And the reason why that is, is because it's, it's a matter of, 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 uh, you know, practical, practical issues. There, there are, there are not enough immigration attorneys in the United States. We always have an influx, a constant influx of immigrants year after year. Mm-hmm. Um, even even the, the the judges and the people in the system, we just don't have enough. And so back in the late 80s, no, mid 80s, uh, the, the government realizing this, put together this, this process. Just so as long as you, you go by the book, uh, if you are a religious, social, charitable, nonprofit organization, you can apply for what is now called the Department of Justice Recognition and Accreditation Process. It means that if your church, if a church wants to do this, then they apply for their recognition, the recognition of the of the organization. And then the accreditation is for the individual staff members who will be providing uh, legal services to immigrants. So recognition and accreditation, two things that, that go together in order to, to apply and, and qualify and be granted uh, you know, this recognition and accreditation. You, you have to be a 501c3 organization. You have to show that you, your staff has adequate knowledge. That's how the, the statute says it, just adequate knowledge of, uh, of immigration law and procedure, which means training, training, and not, not going to law school, but training and going to seminars and webinars that are geared to 
people like us, the nonprofit people, or, you know, people of faith, to be able to, to do this work? Well, to do this work, I think some people might think, on the surface at least, uh, why would churches be in, engaged in this work? Why would religious organizations that have uh, the, a, a duty to uh, nurture a religious community, to preach the gospel, to uh, educate members in the scriptures and all of that, uh, earlier you said that you felt that the Lord was leading your congregation toward more of a social justice uh, emphasis, and this would be one of those things. Uh, so if, if you were talking to people out there who have an idea of the church as, as being one thing, but that this may, may be challenging to them as to whether they're straying from their mission, what would you say about how this you understand this to be actually integral to the mission of, of a church. Absolutely. And, and not only that, George, we consider the, the Isaac Project's work really to be about evangelism. Hmm. It's just that it's a different kind of evangelism because we're not going out to, to the world to, to share with them the love of Jesus Christ. The, the world actually comes to us. And, and I, I think sometimes the mistake that we make in, in the body of Christ is, is separating what's spiritual from everything else. I do agree yeah. that we, we do have a command from, from the Lord to go out, preach the gospel, you know, make sure that, that people know God, know who Jesus is, that there's salvation in, in him. Um, but uh, we have people in our society who are suffering in so many different ways. And, and I think it's also part of the mandate for the body of Christ to, to, come, to reach out to them and to love them and provide to them the, the very things that they need. Uh, in that way, we, we gain their trust. We gain their love. They give us an opportunity to, to love them. And, uh, you know, providing legal immigration services in, in many cases is just the tip of the iceberg. And once you have the, the friendship and the trust of, of, uh, of immigrants, then that leads to other conversations that may lead, you know, directly to, to people being, being told about the love of Jesus Christ more directly. But the Isaac Project, when it, when it started, as it was explained to me, it was, it was our effort uh, you know, out of Texas Baptist to love the immigrant community, love the strangers among us and in practical ways. Maybe not by coming to them directly to preach about Jesus, but just to love them by providing a very, very needed service and then let the Lord take it from there and see where it leads us. Well, and that's an important thing to keep in mind because sometimes people get the idea that, that, that the only reason we actually care for people in, their, in human need is for the ulterior motive of being able then to uh, give them a Christian witness and convert them to our faith. Uh, and uh, that's a, you know, that creates suspicion in people's minds, uh, where if if you're if you have the idea that you that part of your mission 
is simply out of the love of God, out of your Christian faith, or whatever faith is yours, to care for people in uh, their need as human beings, then uh, people can relax and, uh, and, and, and be served uh, by your organization without fear of what comes next, the other shoe to drop, as if it's a transaction that's being made somehow. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So you, you have a way of saying, I think very interestingly, that you believe uh, that this work is both Romans 13 and Hebrews 13. Now, I think it's uh, it, that that would be a nice thing to help frame for people because when you when you look at those passages, uh, if people understand what they mean, then they'll understand the debate that goes on about this at times, right? So, share with us this Romans 13 and Hebrews 13 idea. Right. So it you know it's one of the one of the issues that we continue to 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 debate. You know that 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 apparent uh, contradiction between you know having to obey the authorities and obey the the laws and then at the same time showing hospitality to to people because you never know if you're entertaining angels which is something that we should keep in in our minds as people of faith as Christians um, and well, let, me, let me say that um, we have been able to to navigate that from the from the beginning simply by making sure that the work that we do is completely within the confines of the current US law so uh, what we do is is helping helping people come out of the shadows and we serve about 80 80 families uh, every every year it means that uh, we were able to get mom and dad together, finally, everybody with papers, everybody able to live their, their lives openly without, without you know, being in the, in the shadows, being second-class citizens, being subjected to you know, scammers and, and, and that kind of thing. You know, we've, we've been able to, to do that. And so when anyone demands any, any reason or any explanation, we, we always say, well, you know, you're you're a Christian, right? So you have appreciation for the law, and you and you want to obey the laws. Well, that's exactly what we're doing. We're help, we'll help, we're helping every single immigrant who comes to 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 our doors, comes to our organization, get out of the shadows and and be legal. Mm -hmm. if, if you're on the side of the law, then you should be on 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 our side. Mm -hmm. And the it, the reason why we're doing this is because. There's a need. There's a national need for 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 us to do this. Not not only to to represent them uh, and file paperwork on their behalf, but also to represent them in immigration court. Uh, judges actually get very happy when they see people from the nonprofit world uh, because they they know that most of the time the immigrants who come to their courts come without any representation, and that. Right. Does not allow the system to work well. So, I think we've been able to to navigate that uh, quite well up to this point. What do you say to people who are of a um, religious bent? Uh, Christians often take this point of view 
that yes, we're commanded in scripture as in Deuteronomy uh, to love those who are foreigners uh, because you yourself were once a foreigner in Egypt. Uh, this is you know, words that were given to uh, Israel, of course, but the church reads them as if they are to us as well. Uh, and so then we say that it's up to us to welcome the strangers into our, into our spiritual communities. But we think that there are enough immigrants who have come into this country already, and we should limit immigration, and our, and, and our communities should not be promoting or encouraging immigration when our national interest is at stake, uh, and we should, in fact, you know, build walls and limit immigration uh, and those sorts of things. Do, do you see a, 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 what, a, a contradiction there spiritually? Or uh, do you, how do you talk to people like that? Let me put it this way. I see a contradiction in that. It feels to me that we have put national interests before our spiritual interests. But I'd be very interested to hear your position, because obviously we want to respect the law at the same time. Right. Um, well, you know, I was a, I was a language professor for for two, for twenty eight years. You know, taught Spanish. I I have a lot of appreciation for language, and I try to be very careful as I speak and as I write uh, about about the language I use, the words that I use, and you know, every time. Uh, at the Isaac Project and, and myself personally, when when we talk about government, I always I always for a, for a long long time I've used the word Caesar all the time. Uh, and there's there's Caesar, and then there's the kingdom of God, and we belong to the kingdom of God. We're also we also live materially in within within the United States of America, and there's and there's government. There's there's Caesar, so we need to make sure that that we uh, that we understand that our primary allegiance is is to God and to the kingdom of God and to God as as King. Uh, mm -hmm. Now we're not revolutionaries. We don't go out, uh, you know, seeking the overthrow of of uh, of anybody, you know, but uh, we need to keep in in mind that there's the sphere of Caesar. There's the sphere. Of, of the kingdom of God, when, when those, uh, you know, melt or fuse, uh, it all becomes very confusing. All the things that you were alluded to in, before you asked the question, uh, you know, putting up the wall and all those things, all those things are, are highly, highly debatable. And I think I, I agree with, with you. Um, all those tenets of Christian nationalism really get in the way of uh, the body of Christ actually showing love the way the Lord Jesus Christ expects us to. And so whenever we can, very respectfully, but very firmly, we have to, we have to combat them because they, they, they just confuse, they confuse us and, and they keep us from showing our love. And, and Christianity is essentially about loving well, loving God passionately, and then loving our neighbor as ourselves and the neighbor includes the stranger, includes the, the, the immigrant. And what we find is when we begin to do this is that is 
a, a deeply embedded central concept to Christianity, but also to other religions too. Uh, and we, we, I think in immigration, we find especially common cause with lots of other uh, people beyond Christianity, uh, which is a, a, a great um, uh, benefit in the work that we do in interfaith as well as in our Christian work, too. So. That is correct. I, I think immigration ministry, as far as I've seen, is it may be the most uh, ecumenical uh, ministry that you will ever find. We have good connections with pretty much everybody, even our Jewish friends, our, our uh, Muslim friends, and then everybody who's doing this uh, within within uh, the Protestant church. And of course, the Catholic church who are, who are pioneers in this kind of ministry. Yes, absolutely. Now, if, if we are uh, uh, talking to people in uh, congregations, who would say, okay, this is very interesting to me. I did not know that we could get involved in this work uh, because we're here in Dallas or in Houston or in Austin or Fort Worth or in Leveland or in uh, Athens, Texas or somewhere like that. <clears throat> what, where do we start, uh, Jesus? What, what would be a way to say, okay, uh, we might not be ready yet to do everything, but where do we begin? Okay, that's a, that's an excellent question. And well, most of the um, most of the uh, the churches that we've helped, and and we have uh, we have six churches that we've helped become organizations like like us. Three in Texas and three outside of Texas. In fact, the ones in Texas, one is in Dallas, and the other one is in Fort Worth. The third one is in in El Paso. The, the, the way to begin is, may, may not be, George, jumping directly into immigration legal services. Uh, most of the churches doing this, they're already, uh, they're already been in the process of doing something because they've already, they're already being called mm -hmm. to love the, the, their immigrant community. So you will find them already teaching ESL classes, for example, the English as a second language classes, maybe right. teaching citizenship classes. Uh, if they do that very well for a season, then I think it's inevitable that they will be called to do this because it's the next thing to, to do. Right. When, when they do that, when, when they're at that point, um, we can help them because we can actually train them. That's the other thing that we do. We have, uh, we have what we call our... Uh, Summer Institutes on Basic Immigration Law, except that this year, uh, the one in the summer happened in the fall, uh, but the, we've been doing this for 10 years. So we will train um, the, the, the church's staff, prepare them for accreditation uh, with, uh, with these institutes that are basically a 40-hour uh, institute or seminar on basic immigration law. That doesn't really get anybody ready to open their doors or do any kind of thing. It's just preparation for, you know, for, for applying because it's one of the main, main requirements. People have to have 40 hours of training on basic immigration law, which is pretty much family-based immigration law. And then another 20 to 40 hours of shadowing, which the Isaac Project is very willing to, to help people do if they're willing to come 
to our office in, in San Antonio. And anybody who wants further help, we can help them from beginning to end, just putting the application uh, together. Uh, we need more, more uh, people in the body of Christ, more churches doing what we, what we are doing. What would be a typical story of someone that a congregation might help uh, in a situation like this? Well, I guess the, 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 the clearest example that would come to mind would be, would be the young people. Well, you know, we know them as dreamers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government created a process that, that calls them DACAs because they, they get deferred. Uh, there's, it's deferred action for uh, childhood arrivals. And mm-hmm. so these are our young people who came to the United States um, unlawfully through no fault of their own. We have nurtured them, educated them as a country, and um, they're valuable people. Now, there's, there's relief for them that at the moment is being fought in, in court, mm-hmm. uh, but there is relief for them. We serve dozens of, of DACAs, dozens of young people who came to us from the beginning and then have to renew their, their DACA every two years. So those are the people that, you know, anybody could see, well, the, these young people are certainly, certainly worthy, worthy of our help and, and our effort. So I think, you know, summarizing this conversation a bit, uh, you don't have to have a grand philosophy of, uh, of immigration policy. Uh, You have to have a heart for people who are immigrants and who are caught in the midst of this uh, changing and uh, contentious uh, debate in in this country. And they are human beings. And so if if your faith uh, leads you to care for people, uh, especially those who uh, who are feeling in many cases, dehumanized by the systems that they find themselves in, but our, our neighbors and among us, then this is a place that you can go, the Isaac Project, isaacproject.org, uh, and uh, you, can, uh, you can begin the process of learning how better to care for these neighbors. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Very well summarized. Wonderful. Well, Jesus, thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, for this work, and we pray God's blessings upon you, and that uh, many who have heard uh, will maybe be part of that perfect storm because of this uh, podcast, that somehow God might be speaking to them to become involved. Thank you very much, George. I, I appreciate the opportunity, and it's been an honor. Thank you so much. God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White. Social media coordination by Cameron Vickery. Good God, Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and faith and the common good. All material copyright 2021 by Faith Commons.